Hello and welcome to the RBC Broadview Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Well, on Friday, we celebrated the immeasurable grace of God seen on the cross. And we looked at the words of Paul in Romans 5, and I want to continue in Romans chapter 5 today, um, but this time reading the last bit from the message version where it says, when it's, I love this, when it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death, and that is the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life, a life that goes on and on and on, world without end. As we spoke about on Friday, as I shared on Friday, the scandal of Jesus is that the world condemned him not for his sin, but for his grace. Because it was graceless. And because of how he lived and how he taught, how he, who he challenged, who he ele- elevated, this was simply too much in a graceless world. Jesus proclaimed the love and the grace of God and the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. And so he turned over tables when they created injustice and separation. He gave praise to a woman who gave so much of what she had, but so little in the eyes of those who had much. He refused to eat only with the powerful and the elite, and instead meaningfully engaged with the culturally discriminated, even using them as an example of who to be in his teachings. He touched, he clothed the unclean, he offered forgiveness. He offered forgiveness, even when the powerful tried to place him in a trap, in a cultural and religious trap. When they grabbed a woman that they believed that they had caught in adultery, they accused her of adultery and they placed her in front of Jesus to also condemn her. Surely now the graceful Jesus would now show a lack of grace to this woman. And his first response is, one, to draw in the sand not even to engage with what's going on. And then when he does, he says, let those without sin cast the first stone. He redeemed her public shame and he offered her her chance to live another way. Because when it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Because as we spoke on Friday This is the love of God. This is the grace of God we see in Jesus, that we are made friends with God. But friendship is only the beginning. The death on the cross is only the beginning, as Paul wrote. The immeasurable grace of God is not just found in the death of Jesus, but also that he rose again because, as Paul says, God is putting everything together again through the Messiah. And he invites us into life. 
through Jesus, God in his grace invites us into immeasurable, abundant, eternal life because Jesus has risen. Jesus is risen and death is defeated. He is risen. He is risen indeed. These are the words declared by the church since its birth. The Apostle Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 1.3. He said, praise be. Well, I think we sang that just before. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. Christ's resurrection matters. That he is risen indeed matters because it matters most because he lives and therefore he is our living hope. He is our living hope of an inheritance and he is our living hope of a life for right now. We, because of his resurrection, have a new birth through the mercy of God. Jesus said of himself, he said in John 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he throws out a question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this today? Because believing in his resurrection is the bedrock of our living hope. Believing, if, believing that if he is risen means that death, the greatest threat of sin, is defeated. Because he is risen, Jesus, who is both God and human, is the first of the renewal, the first to be redeemed, the beginning of God's promises to make all things new. And then he truly is the way and the truth and the life. Because if he is risen, then God is glorified. He is able to fulfill everything he has promised, including eternal life. I don't want to continue on without taking a moment right there and stopping in that for a second. If he is risen, then death is defeated. If he is risen, then he is the first of those to be renewed. If he is risen and therefore he is glorified, he is able to fulfill everything he has promised, including eternal life. I want you to take a moment right now and maybe just talk to the person next to you just for one second. Which of these speaks to you the most and why today? Why? All right. I think I heard Mark say before, there's no if there. He is risen, exactly right. That's a beautiful segue to what I want to say right now. People make statements all the time. And maybe today there's a part of you that's like, well, I don't know that. I don't know that. And I think it's our, it's our own experience that can define what we believe. By this, I mean, have you ever like, experienced a moment of nervousness? Maybe this is just me or doubt. 
when you haven't seen someone for ages, you used to be quite close friends, but you just haven't seen them, or you arrive at something and you see them from across the room, you wonder, should I go over and talk to them? We used to be quite close, but we haven't seen each other. Sometimes it can be a high school friend, uni friend, someone you went through college with, someone you used to work with. You have that kind of sense of, I would really like to go and talk to them, but will they feel the same that I do? That moment of doubt. And then you decide, or one, you might decide not to do it. But if you decide to do it, it's amazing how when you do, it really only takes a minute, a hug, a gesture, and suddenly that feeling of belonging and friendship comes rushing back. The experience changes what you think. Maybe it's coming to church. Maybe you haven't been for a while, or maybe this is a new church for you, or you've experienced what it's like to go and visit a friend's church. And you think as you're walking in the door, and I constantly try to think about this myself, you think, will it be safe? Will the person from the front make us talk to each other in the middle of a sermon when I was planning on just sitting here? Will I be noticed? I don't want to be noticed. I do want to be noticed. What do I want? I don't know. Will I fit in? Will it be weird? Will the songs they sing be weird? Will they raise their hands? Will they wave banners? Will they dance with tambourines? Will they use the church that I grew up in have a lady that used to come to the front with a napkin and dance around? Here's a big one. Will I receive something from God today when I come? I hope that your experience of being with us all here today is a good one. But it is the witnessed experience that can define what we believe about something. And the resurrection event, the resurrection of Jesus is a witnessed event. Witnessing defined the early church. So when the early church declared his resurrection, it was something that they had actually seen for themselves. They had seen him risen. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, and this is about 20 years after Jesus' death, he wrote, For I receive what I pass on to you of first importance, of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, if it's being Peter. And then after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom who are still living, though some who have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and then last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. This letter that he's written in Corinthians is within the living memory of those that would have seen Jesus. There are these words, aren't just words that we read nowadays and go, okay, well, that's really interesting if you're wanting to continue a fraud. There is a level of accountability to these words. You can't just say 500 people saw Jesus if 500 people didn't see Jesus. Thomas touched his scars. Others walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. The disciples, too, ate with him. They ate with him the food that Jesus had cooked on the shores of Galilee. Mary had been the first, the first of all the people in the world. That God revealed himself first to Mary near the tomb is incredible. 
giving her the amazing responsibility of telling others. Surely this is a statement of the new, of what is coming in a graceless world where the witness of a woman was actually counted as less back then. The resurrection is first revealed to her. And so Paul says this event is of first importance. Not witnessed just not by those who will kind of be the keepers of truth, as though it's some sort of Illuminati type of thing, but by more than 500 people. His death was public. Everybody knew about it, and his resurrection was also a public event, not just for a few. And so the resurrection was the defining truth of the early church. And we see this even outside of scripture by historians and scholars of the time, like a man named Josephus who lived in that time, who wrote about Jesus and wrote so that his followers declared their witness that he had risen. But you might be thinking, well, that's great, Andrew. Awesome, thank you for that little bit of information, but what does this mean for me today? The amazing thing about the risen Jesus is that his resurrection means that he hasn't just given us a way of life like some other kind of religion, but in his resurrection we find life just as he promised. You see, on the day of Pentecost, something we'll celebrate in a few weeks' time, God's Spirit was poured out over the church, something that Jesus promised would happen when he was glorified in the resurrection. And on that day, all people became witnesses again of the renewal of God. The renewal of God that he was now doing through his spirit, through belief in Jesus. And people like Peter, who we read was a coward and a doubter, the one who had denied is now empowered by the Spirit to say words like this to the assembling crowd. He says this in Acts 2, 32, 33. He says, God, God has raised Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. The proof of his resurrection is more than just an event that some people were able to witness, but the proof of his resurrection now is his spirit working in our lives and in the church today. I cannot be more excited about this. My face, my hands are tingling. It is something that I know I have personally witnessed myself. I know he's alive because he lives in me. Me, me of all people, me with all my faults and flaws. He lives in me and the Spirit gathers all sorts of people to Jesus. We read in all sorts of places. The church... You might be looking at people here today, oh, you know, there's a few pews empty, there's, you know, a few people away from COVID. You know, what is God really doing? I want to tell you right now that the church overseas, the church in the global south is exploding in numbers where people are not even able to say the name of Jesus, let alone get a Bible, and yet the Spirit is finding them and bringing them back to God. God is meeting people through relationships. He's meeting people through miracles. He's meeting people through dreams. The stories and stories and stories and stories that are coming out around the world are amazing only one of us would just jump over there and have a look I'm getting a bit fired up 
This is the best day of the year. I, I cannot, like, Christmas, meh, yeah, yeah. Good Friday is great. Like, Good Friday is great. It's good. But Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is a game changer. Because Jesus is risen, we can know life now by his spirit. We can know life, as Jesus says. We can know life in abundance by his spirit now because he is risen. And the Apostle Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 8, my favorite chapter in all of the letters. And so I use it quite often when he writes these words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. At the heart of this new life we receive in Jesus is a life now free, uncondemned. A life that, yes, while we are still in this world, which is so distorted by ungrace, we can live a life now free, free in the deep knowledge of the love of God. This is what it is to be made born again. And Paul continues in verse 10 of Romans 8, he says, If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. Wow. A life in Christ, in communion with God's Spirit, is evidence of the resurrection alone. We don't have to be there that day. We don't have to be one of the 500. What we see happening in our lives, what we see can happen in our lives, is evidence of his resurrection alone. What the letter to the Ephesians, this letter that we've been going through quite recently, describes as being made alive. In Christ, there is a real change in people. I almost feel like getting people to stand up if they've experienced a real change, just so that we can be excited by all the different people in the room. But I'm quite happy to be the first to stand up. There is a real change in people's lives. If you don't believe me, Brownie's standing up. If you don't believe me, Siggy's standing up. Listen to Michael's story his baptism. Listen to Mark's story. Real change. Real change. Repentant lives. Changed hearts. Renewed minds. Beyond emotion. Beyond hype. We've seen it. We've experienced it. You can take your seats. Unless you want to continue standing. That was really cool. Thanks, Joe. Immeasurable life produces fruit in us, not by us, in us. Not by our works, but by the freedom that God places in us. Love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and patience and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And yes, I did change the order that little bit. Fruit that leads to life, 
to creative grace based on his love instead of death and selfishness. As we become people filled with the hope of God's renewal work and of his mercy and justice, and it can happen to anyone, anywhere, and it's happened to people here. Let it be again. A life filled with the Spirit, Philippians says, tastes the future glory of Jesus and the coming of the kingdom of God. Because we taste it in our own life. We can't wait to share it, to work for it, to give to it, to do whatever it takes, to do whatever God needs us to do, to see it break out in the world. And sometimes that is just a sit back and let it happen. Will we sometimes struggle and not be at our best? Absolutely. Probably. But thank God that it is God's work in me and not my own. That it's God's strength and not my own. Because even in my darkest day, I can call upon him, I can lean into him, and I can allow his spirit to work in me up until my dying breath on this earth. Now, at the risk of saying the same thing I said last year, there is an old song that I think says it so simply. And for those who know it, it's going to be stuck in your head. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. So let's take this moment right now. Let's stop again. Let's talk to each other again and ask each other, ask ourselves, what is the life-giving spirit doing in you today because he lives? Is it the call to come to him? Is it the call to, to turn from one way and go to another? That's what repentance is all about, to live for him. Is his spirit doing something new in you? Is he placing new dreams in you? Is he placing a renewed hope in you? Let's take this moment now. What is the spirit working in you today because he lives. Let's chat. All right, for the sake of time, I'll keep moving, but let this be something we continue to talk about over coffee in just a few minutes. I want to go back to those words in Romans 5 that I began with. When it's sin versus grace... Grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life. A life that goes on and on, world without end. Or as the NRV puts it in verse 21, the same verse, he says, So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The immeasurable life that is found in Christ is more than just knowing his life right now, but also because he lives, we can be assured of eternal life. The renewal work we experience here is just a foretaste, is just a glimpse of what is to come. And so what the witnesses saw when they saw the risen Jesus wasn't just that God had conquered death, but what they saw was There is now the possibility for a future humanity, a redeemed creation, 
beyond death for all who believe. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 22, Paul says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. The first of us. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as all in Adam die, so in Christ all will be made alive. In seeing the risen Jesus, they were seeing first. They were seeing the first of God's ultimate redemption. The beginning of his kingdom come where death is no more, pain is no more, sin is no more, and grace abounds. And it wasn't just some ethereal, spiritual, ghost-like presence, but a completely tangible, touchable, make-foodable, walk-along-the-Emmaus-roadable restoration of all things. In seeing the risen Jesus, they saw a glimpse of eternity beyond death. Witnessing the risen Jesus must have been incredible. Being there that day, being there that time afterwards, it must have been just mind-blowing. But then there was a day of Pentecost. The knowing that he lives because of his power, his spirit within us. And that is even more life-changing. That constant connection to God. It's not just a memory a present pointing towards a future and if God is able to make us alive right now no matter who we are and if he's able to conquer death if he's able to be made alive and all the different people that stood up and all those who were unable to stand up were able to be here today if he's able to be made alive then what isn't possible for God what isn't possible for those who follow Jesus and know the power of the Holy Spirit, which raised Jesus from the dead? And so as Miriam and the team come back up, I want to ask you, are you feeling the drawing of his spirit upon your life today? If you are, that's because he lives. And if you believe and you follow Jesus and you are a part of his people of the resurrection and he wants you to be made alive in him, he wants you to be filled with his spirit again and again and again and to continually know the power of his resurrection because he lives, because he has gone to be with the Father and he has prepared a place for us which includes all of us who believe. We stand as I pray. We continue in worship. King Jesus, you are glorified, you are risen on high, and we give you praise and glory this morning. King Jesus, we thank you for the gift of your resurrection power that comes through your Holy Spirit. And we pray today that we would not shut that off, but listen and, and wait for what your Spirit is saying what your spirit is doing, that we would in ourselves come to the altar, the temple of the Holy Spirit that's within us, that we would come to our own altar space and say, yes, Lord, 
Whatever you want to do in my life, because you live, because you reign on high, because you're the King of Kings, because I can know you personally closer than a brother or sister, Lord, I want to follow you. I want to be with you. I want to be led by you because you live. And because you live, Lord, we can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. We know you hold the future and we know life right now isn't just a waiting space for something else, but life right now is worth the living because you live. We give you praise and glory and we now just come before you in worship. Again, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.